I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Prez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi, who in his free time is, you know, studying to become a video game composer, because he's got all those, you know, ability. Actually, it's funny, I, I gave up on, on music decades ago. I used to play bass, uh, but I wasn't very good, so I... I I think the best my band ever did was we got to play in a, in a club in, in downtown Providence that's now gone, but we were up behind Chicken Wire, and I swear to God, it was pretty close to the scene from the Blues Brothers where they were playing behind Chicken Wire. That's kind of how it went. Uh, but I was, at the time, I was 15, and this was a bar that sold alcohol, so I wasn't supposed to be in there at all. And yeah, it was <laughs> it was one of those experiences that tells you, you don't want this life. You absolutely do not want this to be your life. They were throwing beer bottles at you, kid. My brain was like, yeah, I'm done. But yeah, so that's that's my I, I still miss playing, but I don't miss like try, trying for that to be my life. I, I realized wasn't. Yeah. And uh, we could spend a whole lot of time talking about that as uh, I am definitely one of those musically inclined folks. But instead of talking about music today, we are going to be talking more about your questions uh, that you sent in over the last few weeks. Now, we have had a couple episodes where we've been talking about specific topics, and we were going to talk about the Kyrian campaign today. Uh, but Matt and I are a little bit behind uh, just because there's only so many hours in a day to play through as many campaigns as there are. I'll just be up front, guys. Um, I did the Kyrian campaign and it went like right over me, like, like water off of a duck's back. Like it did not stick. And I'm not sure what the problem is. Um, I think it's partially that I was so invested in Uther and Uther's story that I kind of only focused on that. Yeah. And I but think... I am going to go and try and play it again. Cause I've got another character coming up. So hopefully I'll get through it and I can actually pay more attention this time. But it didn't grab me like the Night Fae one. Yeah, and, and I'm finding something very similar with my playthrough on my Hunter with uh, the Kyrian is that there are certain points that I care about and the rest of it just sort of isn't sticking with me, whereas Ardenweld seemed to just hit a lot of points that I cared about. And so I think happened to, to sort of get its barbed hooks in me uh, a little bit better so far. But... I will persist, and we will definitely talk about it uh, at an, a later date. Uh, but for right now, we are going to be taking some of your questions that you've been sending in. And again, if you have questions for this show or the other, uh, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com, uh, or you can go ahead and send them to us on our Discord channel. Uh, we do have one set aside specifically for Patreon supporters uh, as a way of saying thank you for continuing to support us. Uh, we tend to look there first, if there are any there. Uh, and then we do have our regular Q and... Uh, podcast question section uh, where if you can't afford to be a patreon supporter which we understand you can still put your questions there and we'll try to get to them as we can uh, 
But without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into some questions. Uh, our first one comes from a good friend uh, named Fuzz. Uh, also goes by Titan Fuzz or Divine Fuzz. There's a pattern there and one that I appreciate considering that all of my characters are variations of the name Loader. So is an undead priest, uh, sorry, my, his uh, main, Divine Fuzz, uh, is an undead priest who joined the Night Fae for RP reasons. Mainly, he's interested in the idea of rebirth and contributing to the natural cycle while being a creature outside of it. This got me thinking. Could the Winter Queen be the answer to any Forsaken who wants to return to life? Work for her and earn a rebirth into a mortal body, unlike the Drust, who are trying to take it by force. Also, while finishing off the Night Fae Covenant story, there's a line in the last battle that Thros will consume Arnwell. Do you think this is a metaphorical and just that Drust will take it over, or that Thros will literally consume it and the two planes will become one, similar to converging time streams and such in other media? Thanks. A uh, couple really good questions in there. Uh, let's start with the, the undead one. So with the Forsaken being able to choose... Ardenweld as their covenant, which is, you know, a canonical option that can happen. Uh, and we have now seen Forsaken Souls, or at least I have, inside of Torghast. We know that there are at least bits and pieces of them that continue on into this sort of afterlife cycle. Do we think that by choosing Ardenweld or by being sorted into Ardenweld that they would be afforded that same option of rebirth, whether it is within Ardenwell itself, uh, much in the same way that we've seen others choose to be reformed into the service of the queen, or do we think that they'd ever have the option to go back to uh, Azeroth or the Prime Material? And if so, how would they come back? What would they? What do we think would happen? Do you have any opinions? I would look at it this way. Um, Forsaken are created via a process that seems to be already borrowed from the Shadowlands. And it's the process very similar to what we see in Maldraxxus. Um, I don't know if the if the jailer lifted that directly or fed it into the Lich King in some fashion, or if the Lich King just got it from you know his peering in, you know, using the the Helm of Domination. But it definitely seems to be very much akin to the process we see in Maldraxxus. I don't think, as far as I can tell, nobody gets reborn in the Shadowlands except beings of significant power. And it requires a heavy investment of anima to do it. Um, when you're, when you're doing the, the, the queen's conservatory, you're dumping a lot of anima into those specific beings that are being raised. And they're generally speaking like lesser deity type beings. Um, like, like there's a, there's a dragon type being like, it looks like the Jade serpent that gets sent back at one point. I remember doing that one. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it feels like the, the the apparatus is there because it is what the the denizens of Thoros were seeking to seize, uh, and some of them seem to have gone through. Like I, when I was doing that quest, it looked to me like some of them went through the portal. Um, so I don't know if they're gonna how they would be reborn. I don't know if they get to our like our plane of existence and have a new body just there, or if they end up inside of a newborn child. I don't know what's going on with that, and so I don't have i don't have a real answer for what would happen to a forsaken if they were even afforded this and i feel like we have to go back to the thing we were talking about with with vulgin last last time when the queen makes the point that he might get something like that but she's talking about him because he's bonded to the remaining essence of razan do you remember yeah, that he, yeah he's so essentially just to take it back a half a step further if you are in the Night Fae Covenant and you choose to to go through and do all the things, spend some time with the conservatory and actually pay attention to the souls that you are processing through the Anima Seeds and then sending back. Every single one of them is a deity of some type. And deity is a broad term, much like how trolls apply the term Loa to everything. It's Yeah, but it, they're all relatively powerful nature spirits of some kind. Yeah, in some capacity. Um, and they all have titles and, and, and things. And, and when you release them, they haven't been given a body yet. They're basically collection of star points that wind up going through that portal to wherever their their final destination is. Um, and we don't see how that process looks on the other side because one of the, the things about that is we're not interacting with deities or entities that we personally know, not yet. And if you think about it, the ones that we do personally know um, 
let's take Ysera, for example. Ysera chose to, like, when we went through that whole process, she was reborn and tied to Ardenweld itself. She is now part of that process internally. She didn't get a new body and go to Azeroth again. She got her body back and is now blue-eyed instead of green-eyed and is now part of the court of the knife. Now, when you look at some of the others, they have chosen to stay and choose new forms, whether it's becoming one of the Sylvan or whether it's becoming one of the spirits like Chufa. Yeah, here's the thing, though. I, I, that's all true, and it is something that I'm thinking about when thinking about this. But the difference is, is that they died and their spirits came to Ardenweald. I'm, they didn't I'm, come I'm, through the Maw and still have their undead body that they're riding around in. But I'm getting to that the, point. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I said, now, now, if taking that, we don't know, going back to where the, the whole Thros thing and the, uh, the Drust, we don't know what happened to those that were sent through. We do know that they were sent through, and that is something that I think we're going to wind up dealing with at a later date. But the interesting thing is, until recently, I hadn't seen uh, Forsaken Souls, right? Now we are actually starting to see Forsaken Souls in Torghast. And I think that's fascinating because that's something we had been debating or talking about for a while now of how does that look? How does that look? How does that look? Because the spirits that were taken out of the Maw, the spirits that were taken out of Torghast still have a form that loosely resembles how they were in life, but they are dead and they go through that process. Now, Forsaken sort of occupy this weird in between where maybe if they die, like die, die, their bodies are, you know, completely destroyed. They're no longer tied to Azeroth and they're, you know, whatever is left of their souls or their new person moves to the Shadowlands. Maybe they can go through this process, but I don't think it's going to be a rebirth process to Azeroth itself because I don't think that they are sufficiently powerful spirits. Not in the same way that Ursoc and the Ancients are. Not in the same way that the Loa are. Not in the same way that now Vol'jin is after tying himself to the remnants of a arguably one of the most powerful Loa that has existed in troll society of recent memory. That doesn't mean that they couldn't be reborn inside Ardenweld, but they'd have to be dead dead. They can't just be reborn riding around in a rotting meat carcass. Uh, See but here's the thing about that. Maybe they could be. Okay. Because here's the thing. We can die in the Shadowlands. And when we do, we're almost inevitably pulled to one of those weird stones. And that stone seems to give us the ability to go back to our body. But we're, like, recreated by that thing. Like, like the ones in the Maw in particular are fascinating to me. The ones in the Maw, you just straight up get recreated right there and you have to run back to your body. So the, it feels like there's an there's the power to completely reshape your form exists. And how is it working? Like, that's really something we don't know a lot about. Ardenweald seems to have the ability to channel anima back into the world. Because we, we take all that anima and we use it to re-empower these spirits and send them back. And they're, they're basically taking the anima with them back into our world. Right? Does that make sense? No, no it makes sense. So what if you use that anima on a, an undead right there, like in Ardenweald? Could you just regrow their body? So that is, well, and that's what that's, that I'm it, not saying it could happen. I'm saying, could it happen? It's a question, See, but it's something I've been thinking about for a long time because you're talking about seeing forsaken souls in, in Torghast. Why aren't they just the souls that they had before they were forsaken? Why are they, why do they look like Forsaken? Yeah, so... And, and, that, and here's the two questions. Like, let me let me go, and then you can say sure. what you're thinking. One possibility is that the spirit adapts to its home. Like, the body has been turned into an undead ab aberration, and it's similar to, like, in Maldraxxus, where somebody like Amber Kiernan gets there and becomes a spider monster, whereas other people turn into these big things. And some of them, like Draka and... and uh, Alexander Smograin are so attached to who they used to be that they don't seem to change at all. And then you've got ones like Vash, who more or less looks like herself, but she is changed. Yeah, she's like those a... the weird hands that she's got going on. Yeah, she becomes like a bone naga almost. And so, what if that same process is part of the undead process that makes Forsaken, and it 
doesn't just kill you and raise you in an undead shell like we've always thought. It warps you into that thing. Like, that's the magic, that's the power that's being unleashed. And because it's happening in the material plane instead of in the Shadowlands, and the bodies that they're using aren't just anima constructs, but they're real flesh and blood bodies, there's deformation involved in the spirit. The spirit is what gets changed to, to fit the new form. So, and so if you're, an un, if you're a Forsaken, I, it just seems weird to me that if you're a Forsaken and you die and you're in, the, you're in Torghast, why do you look like a Forsaken so I have a unless theory. you've actually been changed? Go ahead now. Now, this is I've been thinking about this a lot since seeing that because I one of the, that was one of our questions is does that soul revert does it take on its former former self but here's the thing the common theme of Shadowlands at least to me and this is just a working theory as far as how it applies to Forsaken but the common theme is that your anima is a product of your life experiences that your especially with like the Kyrian it's your memories that define who you are uh, even in Maldraxxus, to a certain extent, it's your strength of character, who you are, that defines sort of what you become. Uh, it's the running theme. Uh, even when you get to Revendreth and you start talking about Venthyr, uh, there's a reason that these people or these these souls are sh- being stripped of their hubris has become as, or, or whatever their sin is, it's become such an integral part of them and their life experiences. You know, we could talk about Garrosh, we could talk about uh, Kalthos in particular and, and how his experiences sort of shape who he is. Because when you rescue him, he looks very similar to how he looked at the end of his life, just without a giant crystal in his chest. Um, but I think with the Forsaken, is that they are so defined at this point from their life experiences, having been from basically their second rebirth through now, I think that it's the sum of their experiences. Because like if you were a farmer in life, you probably didn't have a whole lot of experiences. Let's just generic peasant farmer. Maybe you raised kids and maybe you had a family and maybe you, you know, got to see a couple things. But we talk about it with where foot soldiers come from, where they're conscripted into the army. But if they never got conscripted and their conscription happened in undeath, does that become the starting point of like their different experiences? Because think about it. Since the undead plague hit, We've had how many wars with the Forsaken involved in? We've had how many near cataclysmic events? We've had how many Earth and and universe shattering catastrophes that we've lived through or participated in? And at the end of the day, don't forget, we, we as the player characters, we're not the only of our race dealing with these things or the only of our faction. But these experiences happen in this body. They happen in the this form okay. that they've been pushed into. And I'm thinking maybe that creates that bond. Do you know what I mean? No. Well, yeah, I do. But here's the thing I'm thinking as you're saying this. What if you're wrong, though? And it isn't because they had a second birth. What if they only had the first one? Which is another option, right? Like we talked about well, that Well, not before. just another option. Think about this for a second. What if the Forsaken look like Forsaken because whilst it's got a body with like a rotting brain in it that can remember some of the stuff in its life, it's a different person. Right. Or at least in some cases, it's a different person. I mean, it's hard to say, like, in Before the Storm, it definitely seems like, uh, I can't remember the characters, Wills, his wife, his widow, whatever you want to call her, she's a Forsaken. She seems to be that person. She seems to remember her previous life and not... With not without some kindness and fondness, it's she's got like the not just the memories. It seems like she actually has the emotions of her previous life. But there's plenty of others who don't who barely remember anything about their life. I mean, there's an old old quest going back to like old days of of classic where there's a forsaken who wants you to take this necklace off of her her grave in Silver Pine and take it somewhere because she just hates it and hates her father and hates everything about her previous life, which she remembers, but has absolutely no connection to. Do you remember this quest? I vaguely do, yeah. It just it has me wondering if it's possible that in the case of some Forsaken, the reason that they're, they look like their Forsaken selves when they're dead is because that's who they only ever were. Yeah. And I mean, they actually got a new soul when they died. And we've like talked one about that. that. Was born from the, yeah, we have talked about it. But it has me thinking about this concept in, in terms of the rebirth in, Ar- in Ardenweald. What if some people did go back 
from Ardenweald, and that's how come they became Forsaken in the first place. Because when you're when you're hanging around in Oribos, one of the conversations I've overheard a few times now is between Thassarian and Kultira Deathsworn. De- Death. What is Kultira's last name? I don't remember, but I think you know what I'm close. talking about, though. Yeah, yeah. The two of them are having a conversation, and Kultira says to, to Thassarian, "Did you do you remember like some winged person carrying you back to your body?" I don't remember that. And and Thessaria's like, if it happened, I have no memory of it. And that got me fascinated. Deathweaver. Deathweaver, thank you. That got me fascinated because they're they're death knights. They're literally dead people walking around. They're like Forsaken V.2. And they don't know how they got back in their bodies. Well, are they, or are they V2 or are they V1? Because they, they technically existed before the Undead Plague did. Death knights did. This particular group of death knights comes after the Third War. But they're also, is, they're also they're also following by, yeah. But they're created by Arthas after he got the the helm of domination after he became the Lich King. Yeah, but the, I guess the, the question Forsaken were from before Arthas became the Death Death the Lich King. No, but my question is with Death Knights in particular because I'm I'm kind of curious if they are I don't want to say a separate entity but like a subsection or a subdivision simply because when we talk about like uh Terran Gorfine they were taking their souls their whole souls and shoving them into a lion's and, bodies right okay, about bodies. that how did he do that because mm-hmm. he wasn't like his entire wherever he knew he got from kill Jaden how how did he do that he used to be, oh yeah he put their souls in jeweled truncheons, and then the other thing is he didn't just put their souls in the bodies. He put the souls in the truncheons. Yeah, the so the truncheon the souls were not in the bodies. They had to hold on to those things. Like the 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 Death Knight that was Terran Gorfiend was not the Death Knight of Terran Gorfiend that we met later. So basically, maybe those were Death Knights 1.0 or Undead 1.0. Scourge became Undead 2.0. Death Knights from Arthas after he got the helm are kind of like the 3.0 revision. And maybe we're a little bit past that now because it's still... They can still date back to the Scourge. There's still that same process. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that we know of that makes them any different than Scourge other than being freed from the Lich King's control. And so we know that they were free-willed undead even in the Scourge. And that makes me wonder, like, if there's a difference between the undead that were free-willed before and the, the free will that came to the undead after. And if the Lich King losing control of them could allow them to reassert themselves to the point where they're new living beings or the same living beings as before, what was going on there? Did they come straight back out of the Maw? So, like, well, there's, there's a lot to this that we don't understand. There's I another. Do think f- that it's theoretically possible, though. Just to get back to the question we were actually asked, <laughs> I think it is theoretically possible that the the undead could return to Azeroth as like be, be freed of their undead bodies, return to Azeroth through Ardenweald, and become reborn. Or if that weren't possible, the Drust wouldn't be trying so hard to do it. Yeah, and that's the question becomes the question becomes. What is the cost of this? Because look at how much anima it takes for one of the wild gods or, you know, August Celestial's ancient, you know, what do you want to call them? Look how much anima it takes for them just to get back out to the point where Ursak would die. He was sacrificed to save Ardenweal. Does it take that much for anything to do it? Yeah, we. Well, and the, the, there's a lot about the process that we don't know still, right? Like... And even then, like, if we were to consider some of the game mechanics as indicators of, of this, the Queen's Conservatory takes several days of, of time in real time to process. But in a land where time doesn't really matter, what does that actually equate to? Uh, if you look at the Conservatory itself, you have to feed Anima into it uh, at an increasing rate to get it to become more efficient and better because that's one of the interesting things about that. I, I, I going back to it, where like when you are doing this stuff mechanically, it's because it's tier one. But if you look around the grove, if you look around the conservatory, most of the anima seeds are desiccated. Uh, the rewards that you get in particular from releasing those spirits or, or nurturing them back to life are very minimal because of all the energy that was required to essentially incubate them over that period of time and release them back or send them back. So I think there is something there of the cost of it, which again, we don't know. Uh, we do know that when Yasera was born, not even to send back, but to be tied to Ardenweld, it was at a point where the winter queen used 
enough of her anima that it caused a physical change in her. And yes, you can say that it was just a leaf falling, but this is a being that has been around for an inordinate amount of time. Like, we don't know how long she's been around. She doesn't know how long she's been around, but she's been around and she is very, very powerful as are most of the other firstborn. So that consumed a lot of power to bring you Sarah just into Ardenwell and have her tied there. How much more does it take to send something back? And, and that kind of does, you kind of find yourself wondering if that's why the animal cost is so high. Mm-hmm. Because what happened with Ysera is you, they had to tap into the Winter Queen's power itself. She had to give up her power to do it. And maybe that's one of the reasons that so there's so much power required to get the uh, other ones reborn is because they have to be removed from her. Because Ardenweald is her. Mm-hmm. Much of the same way that Denathrius very rightly points out, I am Revendreth. In a real way, when these beings make those claims, they're not kidding. The planes were the planes existed before them, but they were like featureless, shapeless, nothing places. Revendreth, as it stands, is entirely the creation of Denathrius. Maldraxxus is it. It mirrors what the Primus wanted it to be. Ironwell became what the Winter Queen yeah. wanted it to be. What, uh, or what it is. What, or what she it is, is, yes. You know, and I think that there's something to be said for this, that these these planes are reflections of and shaped by the beings that, that rule them. There's, I'm getting a heavy Ravenloft vibe from this entire freaking expansion. Yeah, I, which I is really to. funny because I just posted a picture today about one of the box sets of Ravenloft that I just pulled out of, out of my bookshelf. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah. Like, There's definitely a big, a big vibe to that here with it. Uh, and that's why I'm, I think that going to the second question that he asked. I was asked just about, about to say we should probably answer that real yeah. quick. I think that there is actually some literalness to what they're saying. Especially when you consider um, that Thros is called the Blighted Lands. It is a blight. It is not exactly, you know, a land of sunshine and roses and, you know, oh, we just move from one place to the other. It's almost like a creeping infection, I think. Yeah. And in the game, in game, that's never been stated very clearly what Thros is or how it started to exist. There were some in in implications that it was somehow related to the Emerald Nightmare, but I don't think anything in game says that. No, nothing in game says that. I think it was only one interview. Yeah, so it's quite possible that Thros is is literally just the the Drust druids that worked for Gorak Tool, perverting their power to draw upon you know death in some way that wasn't part of the way that death and, and rebirth are supposed to work. Like think of death is a lot of things. Death is like the end of existence. Death is, you know, there's a lot of possible, you know, arguments for death Death feeds life and life, you know, like without life, there is no death. And without death, you know, life isn't fed. There's, there's a back and forth of all that, but Thros definitely seems to be a perversion of the concept of that cycle. They didn't want to die. And go and be reborn. They just wanted to skip straight to being reborn, and so they tore themselves out of their bodies and tore themselves out of the cycle that they had previously accepted it by being druids and being part of life. They they ripped themselves away from it, and I find myself wondering if that's Thros is that abscess that forms when you don't feed the world, when the cycle isn't like maintained, where life doesn't feed death and death doesn't feed life. That feels like what Thros is to me. And it, it's quite possible that we will see it literally crawling. Like, what do you have if you don't have, if death is meaningless? Well, what does life look like? And I mean, think about it just from a, from an aesthetic standpoint, too, right? Like, you look at how the magic of the Drust sort of represents itself. It is very much that sort of corrupted druidy type magic in not just talking about the forms that they take. But like when you're in the mist of Tyrannoscythe, when the behemoths are casting that that uh, bramble patch at your feet, it's twisted brambles in like black Icor that's you know dragging you down uh when they're lashing things to their will it looks like thorny whips made of shadow uh that are encasing the the different uh, entities of of Ardenweld the masks that are being shoved onto the faces of the sylvan that are being made to serve the drust that the, in their subjugation they're not you know things of weird metal from the maw no they're they're wood they're things with a very naturey hint to them. Uh, and I think there's something of that. Even when we go back to Battle for Azeroth, when you look at anything dealing with them, it's always sort of like this corrupt, corrupted nature thing. And 
particularly fascinating to me is whenever there's an area where the Drust have sort of like set up shop, that land, it, it looks blighted. It looks like it's devoid of life uh, in so much of like the ground looks, looks you know, pockmarked in uh looks like it's couldn't support any form of life the trees are dead and dying the animals that live in those areas uh are violent and have their entire moods like completely shifted and it's just from being in that area it's not even like an active attack on them it's just being there causes this to happen because they're part of that sort of that biome that's being subject or subverted and I think you're right. I think we are going to see some of that creeping infection coming in uh, in the future because the that story is not done yet. And I think that part of it is some form of consumption because one thing I you mentioned that you you hear some things in Ouroboros moving around during a lot of the uh, Drust campaign stuff when you're you're dealing with it. Some of the NPCs they basically say like we will consume you like we have other worlds. Really. You've they've they've done other planes of existence that would not surprise me. And, and it may, also seems like this isn't the first time they've attacked Ardenweald either. No, it seems like this is something that is a known quantity. The, the way they're attacking Ardenweald, however, this time, if you look at what they are doing, like if you do the campaign, one of the things it points out is the way they're attacking is by using Ardenweald itself as the mm-hmm. vector. It's very metaphorically disease oriented. It's you know, you, your own friends turn against you because they have those masks on and now they're not your friends anymore. And there's this, like, it's, I think it's got some inappropriate, like some inappropriate things if you look at the real world where masks are actually very helpful against disease. But there's still that interesting concept of the infection spreads and the people you trusted can't be trusted anymore. Even in the end, when we kill Aralon, um, he's turned against us by them. The Drust turn him as a weapon. They make him a weapon against Arden. And you know Aralon would never turn against Arden. So they can do this to you no matter how Mm strong-willed you are, no matter how dedicated you are. It's a really fascinating issue. Like That's definitely not something that's going away. And it's definitely not... It is a metaphor, but it's a metaphor made manifest. It's the objective correlative of the entire experience is that's how Thros is going to try and and devour Ardenweald by making everybody in Ardenweald their pawns that they'll be like effectively slaves and a kind of slavery that's worse than than death itself because it's your mind that's gone it's really fascinating i i definitely think we're going to see more of this yeah i would be very very surprised if we do not uh but thank you very much uh fuzz for that question or questions uh hopefully took, like a solid 25 minutes to answer <laughs> uh hopefully you got some good mileage out of that like we did um, our next question is a little bit shorter, uh, but it's an oldie. We're uh, going back to an older thing. Greetings, lore aficionados. I remember way back when, in, I believe, uh, Tears Fall Glades, there was a ring of fairy dragons that would circle one spot in periodic hours. Do we know the reason for this? And this is from Bill. This is the one in Tears Fall? Yeah, so in, back in Tears Fall, way back yeah. when, and you remember the event, and for those of you that don't know, this has been in the game since vanilla, I want to say it was like patch 112 or something like that, but you could find this section uh, in Tears Fall where there was a ring of flowers, and fairy dragons would periodically come and do like a little ceremony dance type thing, and then disappear. And it was one of those great wow mysteries that never got answered. Uh, sort of like the creepy kids that ran through. Uh, but we never got an answer for what that is. They've never canonically said de- definitively this is the reason for it. But I've been thinking about this in relation to Ardenweld lately. And one of the things that we've been talking about is when something is reborn in Ardenweld and goes back to where it's going from, how does it re-enter the world? We have no idea. We haven't seen that process, but we know it does happen because the wild gods have come back. The Loa have come back. What if this is something that was part of the inspiration for what if this is what they do? Because, again, in classic mythology, uh, fairy rings are supposed to be a portal between the realm of the fairies and our mortal world, uh, and which is why you're not supposed to mess with them, because if you mess with them, fairies get really angry, and then they mess with you and your stuff, uh, possibly into weird and, and fatal ways, depending. But I'm wondering if maybe this is something to do with that now. If maybe this isn't the only place 
that this exists. Maybe there are other worlds where we know that there's sort of this tie to nature that exists, that these fairy rings are being opened periodically by these creatures that are tied to, you know, the, the fey lands. In this case, the Shadowlands and Ardenweld in particular, uh, that they get the memo that something's coming through and they open up the portal long enough for something to come through and then disappear. So... Again, completely speculative because they've never said anything one way or another, but I've been wondering if maybe these two events sort of tie together neat. What do you think? Well, I will I will point out that there's actually something very close to that ring. Um, if you have done the Arms Warrior or uh, Holy Paladin or Shadow Priest legendary weapon quests in Legion, you go to that area and you find there's a lake not too far from it. And in that lake is the Tomb of Tyr. And in the Tomb of Tyr is an old god minion, a Chithraxi, named Zakajaz. Um, and Zakajaz isn't dead, although it is dead. It's been killed. It's got a big sword jammed through its head and everything. But like all old god creatures, being dead is an inconvenience to it. They don't stay dead. They can't be kept dead. So as long as the sword was in its head, it wasn't able to get up. It wasn't able to move but it was still influencing the area around it. And I think that's always interested me because we were talking about the Emerald Nightmare before. How about Thros has at one point been said to be related to that. And we know that the old gods, like one of the old gods servants, when it, I mean, one of the old gods called himself the old god of death. Mm-hmm. And that old god was Yogg-Saron, who is the one that sent Zakajaz and the other one whose name I'm forgetting, but he's very important. He fought the trolls for years. Those two were sent by him. He's their master. Mm-hmm. So that attempt to usurp death is something the old gods are very much doing. And their minions kind of like laugh at death and taunt death and invade the realm of death from time to time. They've invaded Bastion. So I think that might be related to why there's a fairy circle there. And it might be along the lines of just simply... There's a fairy circle there because, like, the proper maintenance of life and death would lead to one outcome, and the presence of the minion of the old god is corrupting that outcome. But that's all I've got. I just think it's a fascinating series of connections. I don't know how it all adds up. Yep. And we might never know. Uh, Although, you know, maybe one day we'll get something concrete. (laughs) I am, however, flying my horde character over there as we're recording this, so I'm going to take a look at the area while we're talking about it. Yeah. It's just, it's fascinating though because like yes I understand that the corruption is there but it's it's also weird that that's the only one that exists of that right now when there's other places I kind of would have expected maybe to see something similar so uh, again we don't know we may never we may never know but hey maybe sometime in the future we'll get a little something extra about it uh, this is me it should be pointed out give it yeah. to us <laughs> it should be pointed out too that 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 fairy ring was there well before Legion yeah. I believe it was in Cataclysm people first started noticing it because up until before Cataclysm, you couldn't really get up there very easily. Uh, it's part of Terra's Fall that was just basically nothing. So, yeah, it is fascinating. Uh, so we're going to move on to the next question, which, uh, again, is from Titan Fuzz. Uh, Greetings, Matt and Joe. Hope you all are well. I was thinking about the architecture and tech attributed to the first ones, mainly Oribos itself and the gate in the Maw. This got me thinking about what few places we also see the same sort of aesthetic, which from what I've seen is the soulbind stations in your Covenant Sync, the graveyards in the four Covenant Zones, and having just started Maldraxxus, the anima conductors in the Sanctums as well. Uh, it would have been easy just to make these all look like the rest of their area but the conscious choice was made to link their looks what do you think this means in regard to how much the first ones shaped the shadowlands assuming that they did one thought which i may have gotten from y'all was that since the only portals in, 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 in since the only portal is in the maw they didn't take they didn't make that plane possibly that it's the only natural one and they needed it to get in out whereas they didn't for the realms they created much more tinfoil hat thought they came from the maw so they created it to escape which is why there's no portal lead back in you have to thanks for all you do titan sounded like you had something to say on that 
No, I was trying to hit a print screen button. Uh, <laughs> no, you go ahead first because I do have some ideas, but I want to hear what you're going to say. Yeah, first. so this is something that I've been thinking about too because it is something that I thought was fascinating, particularly with like the anima conductors and the soulbind stations. They are incongruous with the areas in which they are because you would assume that in your covenant zones uh, that it would be for lack of a better term, like if I'm an Ardenwell, that it'd be like tree roots or something, uh, that it would be uh, maybe a giant acorn or, or something more nature or something more in theme with what's going on. But yeah, the graveyard, the soul buying stones uh, and the anima conductors are all, they all look the same for all of the zones uh, with very little difference between them. The only one that I think it looks not out of place, I think is Bastion really, but everywhere else it it's sticks out like a sore thumb. And I, I was wondering why that is a thing. And I think it does have to do with maybe not what the first ones were ordering, but maybe how everything started working after Ouroboros was created, because it is very, very similar to the Ouroboros architecture. When you start going through and looking at them and then you look at Ouroboros, it's very similar. It has the same sort of patterns, the same green lines, same type of runic inscription, um, even more so than I think the gate. The gate is... A little very, a little variation on that. But I have a feeling that whenever Ouroboros was created, those items were created as well. And I don't know uh, necessarily what the timing is of that, or if that has anything to do with the first ones, or if that's something that they maybe repurposed. Because the other thought that I had is, what if Ouroboros was created from whatever was in, you know, the Shadowlands in general? What if it was taking bits and pieces of those lands and cramming them together into this architecture to tie everything together. What if it is the rug that literally ties the room of the Shadowlands together? But I don't know. It's a, it's a fascinating question because they, they do stick out like a sore thumb. What do you think? Not in my opinion. Let's go. Oh, come on. Uh, honestly, um, I mean, some of the stuff that was in this question is already reiterating stuff we've talked about previously. That, so I'm not... Like the whole idea of the Maw possibly being the, the original place that the Shadowlands had... The fact that the in-between exists and has things living in it, though, that's something to me that I think needs to be thought about. We only go to, we go to the in-between just as a like as, as a jaunt between other places in the Shadowlands, but there's actual beings living there. Mm -hmm. The devourers come from there and they eat. There's things that live there and they eat anima. Like that's that's what they devour. That's what they consume. That to me says that there's. We, ha we keep treating the devourers like they're outside forces, like they're aliens. What if they're the things that lived here in the first place and everything else is an invader? What if there's not supposed to be like a cycle? What, what if they're the Langoliers of the area where they just consume? That's no, what they always but, I mean, seriously, do. what if this is what the, the, you know, the devourers are supposed to get the anima? It's supposed to be theirs. It's the entire realm is supposed to be the in-between. And, you know, the, the bro we don't know where the brokers actually come from. Mm -hmm. And the brokers seem to have absolutely no trouble trapping the devourers and just, you know, because they send you to catch one using their power. They have a magic that allows you to capture a devourer and take it back to the arena. They're just It reminds me a bit to go back to a game that I love, Mass Effect. Do you remember those things inside the Citadel that, that work on it and repair it and maintain it? Yeah. And for centuries, nobody knew who they were. Or what they were, and then finally it turns out, oh yeah, they were created all those eons ago by the Reapers. They're part of the technology of the Citadel, so that when the, the Reapers want to recontrol the place, they'll just send a signal and those guys will just turn everything on. The Brokers might very well be the original support staff for the, the First One's creations, who've gotten their own agenda now, that they're not supposed to have. They're not supposed to be bro brokering deals for anima. They're supposed to be just facilitating the anima flow. Hmm. They're supposed to be doing one job, and they've moved on to doing something else. They've they've rebelled against their creators, and the devourers might be what they were made from. I mean, the, the brokers are definitely very construct looking. Yeah, I mean, they they are. They're very robot-y bodies with like spirit flames, sort of like powering it or or inhabiting yeah. it. And just there's a lot to this that we, that we don't know anything about. I, I don't I find the, the entirety the, every so often I just stop and think about the Shadowlands and think this is this is crazy pants that we are here in this place where everybody you talk to is dead. Mm -hmm. 
And just like at one point when you're freeing Thrall from Torghast and he got going on about how he's, he hadn't seen any of the good places yet and he was kind of, he was relieved there might be a place where his ancestors could live in peace. And I'm like thinking, yeah, well, for instance, your mom is in a realm of eternal conflict where she spends all her time as an assassin. You know, it's like, that's your mom. That's what she's doing right now. Would you like to go see her? And it just the, the entire place feels constructed around ideas about what you should be doing with your existence that don't like they they work better as pens like somebody is putting together confinement systems to hold all these spirits and the idea that the shadowlands translate trans go across all reality that they, they tra- transcend the bounds of existence and that they like all these different worlds go there why are they so underpopulated then they should be like enormous places with so many souls in them but it definitely feels like a lot of souls don't get to remain souls very long before they turn into just anima and the anima is recycled and used. Yeah. And I think, I think of all of the zones, like Ardenweld is probably the only one that even remotely shows like a large sum of people. And that's during, like we talked about this when we were talking about the Ardenweld campaign, when you're fighting against the, the Drust invasion and you're just like an endless sea of Sylvan coming at you but like aside from that moment most everything and almost every zone feels like there's a distinct lack of of <sighs> living is really the wrong word for it because it's not a living place uh yeah, but, but habitation beings, entities yeah, yeah. like it, entities there, in there should be there should be like a lot even like the Kyrian should have like i mean if one person out of a thousand if one person out of a million is is the right kind of person to serve the Kyrian over infinity and the cosmic, you know, the the vastness of existence. There should be plenty of people there. They should just be swimming in people, and they're not. I mean, there's some people in 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 Bastion, but like you know, it's it's got a lot of not populated areas, and it makes me start wondering: what if everything, like the the technology that they make that the jailer is using to make his army, he's literally making those those constructs out of souls. Mm-hmm. Like when he says, you know, it can be you can be made to serve. You could be made to serve as literally the sword in something else's hand. Like they they'll. And what if that's what everything in the Shadowlands is made of? What if that's what Ouroboros is made of? What if everything is built out of anima that is taken from all these souls? Well, and part of that we do know that there's there's some credence to that, right? Like when you start. And regardless of what zone you're in, and even when you're leveling, one of the you get quests that tell you to go obtain anima from local flora and fauna, right? Those things are created from anima, which anima comes from souls. That that's sort of like the whole shtick. So why do these things exist? Why do these you know weird dragons and and impish type things exist in Ardenweld that don't serve a specific purpose, but they are made of anima. But then you look at it and you look at the, the plants and the land and everything else. And that's also made from this in some capacity. Like it's fascinating. It is literally the building block of everything that we encounter. This This is where the game reminds me a bit of exalted. I've talked about that before that. I also feel like, you know, it reminds me of Wraith, uh, the the oblivion and it reminds me of exalted one of the things that comes from exalted is the idea of there's the, the prison plane that holds the uh the the, the slain titans from before mm-hmm. it's called one of them is called malpheus and it's literally they killed this being this this ancient titanic being they killed it and but it didn't die but it used its body as a prison They've literally inflicted all these greater and lesser demons are trapped inside this thing's body. And the ones that did die created like the, the plane where like the Neverborn are from. They're the Neverborn because they were never born. And they're dead now. But they shouldn't be dead because they weren't mortal. And it just reminds me like the Shadowlands. I keep thinking that the Maw itself feels like something that's been imprisoned. Yeah. It's not just a prison. It feels like something that was imprisoned. Yeah, because... Like, what the maw is the carcass of some vast entity that's not supposed to be dead. Like wasn't supposed to be able to kill it. And somehow they did. And somehow they made the Shadowlands out of its body. Like Ymir in Norse myth where the, the mm. heavens are its brains and the oceans are its blood and the mountains are its bones and teeth. 
Like that, I keep getting that weird feeling about the Maw. Like, what if the, what if that's what the jailer's crime was? That he killed something that wasn't supposed to die. Like, I don't, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know. But there's that whole thing about the jailer saying he's going back to claim what's his, and like that always has me wondering if, much as we've been told that the Emerald Dream was part of Azeroth before, we've gotten the sense lately that it was. It's bigger than that. Uh, what if there's like this entity that that wasn't supposed to die yeah and see i i I keep coming back to just the root idea that shadowlands is not what we think it it is not i i don't think what we are being presented is the core of its and whether that is there was an entity that never should have died that was killed uh and it was carved its existence was carved out of it um or you know if it's something else like the maw is like you said like it itself is imprisoned, which seems to have some, as far as I'm concerned, some credence to the idea just simply because, again, it feels too much like it's bits and pieces of all these other realms. It seems like there's some overlap there, which just would be difficult to explain otherwise. Well, plus, let's look at like the few things we do know. One of the things we do know, because we've seen enough of it at this point, if you've if you've been doing your campaign and if you've been doing the trips into... Torghast to free the various um, people that were, were held. You're probably aware at this point that, that Anduin Rin is being forced to have, you know, dinner conversations with Sylvanas over and over again. And she's at the point where she's trying to force, she's trying to get him to willingly take up the, uh, what looks to be a rune blade type weapon. What did they call it? They, they call it a Mourn blade. Yep. Yeah. They try to take, get him to take up a Mourn blade similar to, uh, but distinct from uh, Frostmourne. And the the jailer seems to view this as his weapon to use against uh, the Shadowlands, for lack of a better word. This he's going to try to turn Anduin Wren to his side and use his immense power to to uh, unmake everything. And Sylvanas is going on and on about how they're going to destroy the very fabric of life and death and make something new and fair. And let's assume for a moment that she's privy to information that would give her the reason to believe this could possibly work. Was that the jailer's crime in the first place? Was deciding that he was going to remake the universe because it wasn't working properly? And if you think about that, that re- that's remarkably similar to somebody else yes, that we've dealt it, with in the past. The, the Sargeras synd- syndrome. Yeah. But, I mean, what it, what actually did he do? What was his crime? That's the thing I think we really need to figure out. Like, not... I hopefully that's going to be part of the upcoming patches was we get some information about what the jailer was actually doing, why he was imprisoned in the first place, mm-hmm. what he did that, that brought the others together against him. The Primus, Denathrius, uh, the first, Caestria, uh, and the Winter Queen. They all joined forces against him. Uh, why? And wh- how did he get Denathrius to, to, to suddenly switch sides and work for him? And what did this have to do with the Legion that they were clearly working with to some degree because it was the Legion that brought the Lich King to Azeroth? Like, and not only that, but like, why Why was that part of the plan? Because that very clearly yeah. was part of the plan from the very beginning. Because so, if you yeah, start why? talking about the, uh, why can't I think of their name? The Nathrazine, right? Like, they were very, they had very clear instruction. Why? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and is death itself in in the Warcraft cosmology is death itself the result of some kind of cosmic crime or accident? What is there a reason what? we have a Shadowlands? Were we were we not supposed to be mortal? Was mortality the result of of some cosmic what if it's error the or accident? What if it's the opposite of that? What if what if we were all supposed to be immortal? But if you think about it, like going back to like things like Illidan says with like having an immortal soul and all these entities that are very clearly immortal now, like mortality has been broken for a very long time. And even technically when we die now and you go to the Shadowlands and you get, you know, parsed off to one of those worlds, you're not really dead, dead. You're still living a life you're still serving in some capacity uh almost regardless of where you go i'm not saying that it's you know revendreth is a weird weird in between but almost everywhere you go if you choose to stay there and not be consumed which why wouldn't you choose that you're serving you're living you have a life these creatures these beings that we interact with they have emotions they have memories they have personalities even the kyrian who give up their mortal memories have memories 
as Kyrians. They have bonds that they forge. That's one of the center points of the story uh, is the soul bind between, uh, what is it, Lasonia, Lasonia and, why can't I think of her name now? Devos? Not Devos. Is it Devos? But- is Devos the, the, yeah, Devos is the, uh, the one that throws, gives Uther the chance to throw Arthas in the mall. Yeah, yeah it's Devos. Yeah, so like they have a relationship. They have a very mortal feeling relationship. What if that's the part that's broken? And that's why like Sylvanas keeps referring to it. What if we go back to your idea of the entity that was killed to create the Shadowlands? What if the entity that was killed was death itself? That that finality that the universe could have had or theoretically should have had. And instead, because the Shadowlands were created or carved out or, or whatever, this isn't death per se. This isn't, there's no finality to it because there's a life after life now. It's an entirely different existence, but it is still an existence. What if that's what's going on is death is, is the bones of death is what the Shadowlands is built on. The entity that would have, you know, been there to sort of quote unquote reap the universe when it was its time. And that's why there's so many immortal things because there's way more immortal things now than there are mortals as far as I'm concerned. We're just looking at the way the game world works. Too many things just don't die. And maybe that's the part that's broken. There is no release. There is no peace. There is no endpoint anymore. And like going back to like what Sylvana says, even in death we serve. Well, it's not just undeath. It's not just being part of the scourge anymore. There's a truth to that just by dying and going to the Shadowlands. If you go to Maldraxxus, you're serving. You're in an army. If you go to Bastion, you're still serving. You're becoming part of another army. If you go to Ardenweald, you're serving. You're just tending groves and spirits of other beings that are given the option to go back to uh, an existence, an immortal existence that you don't have the option for or aren't given the option for, I should say. Uh, Revendreth, you are being you have the ability to be reborn into uh, the, the race of sin eaters essentially that all seems very broken there is no there is no end point there is no end to existence anymore there is no peace regardless of what you think of the afterlife or what happens after it there is no peace you still serve maybe because death is broken maybe that entire system is broken because the system that's currently in place broke it to begin with just just a random idle thought but i i, I can't keep help keep thinking that what we're seeing and what we're we're being shown is not what was originally there, and that was the point at which everything broke. I don't know if that makes any sense. Makes sense. I mean, it, well, it doesn't make sense, but you're describing something that's not sensible. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it doesn't really work with the way I'm viewing it, um, because I think I, I don't view it. I don't view death as a, as a release that brings peace, um, and I don't think that that's the mythical construction that they're going with here. That they're ever that they, that it ever did that. We'll see. I mean, we, we haven't gotten there yet. We don't know. Yep. And I mean, we're hopefully going to find out some more, right? Hopefully we'll find out some more about what the crime is specifically uh, that was created. by. Well, I mean, we've got, that's the thing to think about. We got Blizzard Watch, Blizzard Con Online in less than a month now. Yes. Uh, and hopefully at that, we will, know, we will get some details on the next patch. I'm hoping the next patch will be by March. Um, uh, patch 9.1. I feel like March would be a good amount of time i think so too yeah yeah i'm hoping at least they'll they'll say okay there's going to be a ptr here's what's in store for you uh and we'll we'll get some information uh i don't know what's coming so i can't say oh like for instance the new raid or whatever but i do hope that by like march april the latest we'll we'll have some sense of what's coming next and what it means for everything Um, we're definitely only at the very beginning stages of the storytelling for this expansion uh, and they did a good job of, of making it last a fair amount of time, but I think more than a month after, like going for like more than a month after we've gotten the last bit of what's going on in Torgas, what's going on with the Anduin, what's going on with all that, I feel like you can't really take it too. You can't wait too many more months to to get some idea of what's coming after that. Yeah, I would agree. So that's that's my hope. Well, hopefully we'll get something uh, along that line, especially with, uh, like you said, BlizzCon not too far away, uh, the virtual BlizzCon, uh, and hopefully we'll get something for that. 
because I'm very curious where things are going to go from. But Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Again, if you do have questions for the show, be sure to send them in. Uh, But otherwise, we'll see you guys next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.